Jamie Lewis, and this is Consumed, a podcast where eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers can get real. Thanks for joining me. Consumed is sponsored in part by Slow Life magazine. Over the past several years, I've written the food column for Slow Life, and I've covered many, many different restaurants and dishes here in Slow County. Some of my favorite subjects have been fried chicken, educational dining, and I even recently wrote about the free bread at three different local eateries. Slow Life is much more, though, so get your hands on a copy every other month. To find out how, visit slowlifemagazine.com. Sarah Dieter is a creative director and founder of Makers and Allies, an award-winning design and branding studio producing exclusively for the wine, craft, and spirits industry. Sarah graduated from Cal Poly University with a degree in studio art, and her need for gainful employment led to designing wine labels for local wineries. Today, she and her husband Garrett manage a team of 15 people, from designers and copywriters to web developers and a social media manager, all with a focus on alcohol beverage and increasingly other products too. The work that Makers and Allies puts into the world is really inspired, so I wanted to know how Sarah and her team got so good at what they do. To see examples of their work, visit makersandallies.com, which is also, of course, expertly built and fun to interact with. Talking to Sarah is easy because she's really boisterous and smart and talented. We discuss the creative process for wine and spirits work, why she loves Gamay, and what it's like to run a business with the same person she lives with. Enjoy my chat with Sarah Dieter. Sarah, thank you for coming to my house. Thanks for having me. And I know you you traveled yesterday, and you're traveling tomorrow, and so I just feel lucky that you chose to spend an hour with me. Yeah, Yeah. this is my first podcast. No. And I just got into podcasting a year ago. I actually didn't even know what it was on my phone. I was like, what is this purple app? And then all of a sudden I got really into podcasting and my friends start sending me them. So it's fun. It's easy to deep dive. Yeah. What kind of podcast do you listen to? I listen to like self-help work, productivity, Mm -hmm. things that are relevant to me right now. And then I um, sometimes guilty pleasure listen to like The Bachelor, like really really (laughs) There's a podcast for it? Oh yeah. That's like the new thing that all The Bachelors do. They have podcasts. Oh, wow. It's their like spinoff. That's yeah. an addictive thing, The Bachelor and Bachelorette. People are, yeah. I never got into it, so I don't understand. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like it was a wave that you had to kind of catch when it was taking off. I feel totally. like to go backwards for me, it's like, no, not possible. Yeah. 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 Um, you say that you're, you told me before we started recording that your dad is English. Yeah. Where'd yeah. you grow up? So kind of funny story. I actually have three passports because I was born in Canada. So I grew up in Toronto for, um, the first like third of my life. Um, and that's where my mom met my dad. So he's from England. Um, and so I was lucky enough to kind of adopt his British, kind of, you know, drinking tea, playing Mm. soccer, some of those um, stereotypical but awesome British things. Yeah, like cultural Cultural, pieces. Exactly. And then um, we moved to the United States um, kind of late elementary years, and um, I grew up in Minnesota before I came to... Wait, so you're legit Canadian. Yeah. I thought you were going to say when you were four or something, you moved. No, you're Canadian. Yeah, Canadian at heart, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. I yeah. love Canadian. If shit hits the fan, I'm going to Canada. I love it there. Uh, we talk about that a lot, actually. And yeah. that that fan moment may be soon. I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah we talk about oh, like owning a maple farm or something. Someday. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. So you moved to Minnesota. Not yeah. To so I moved to Minnesota. I grew up there in kind of my formative years of, um, you know, rebellious teenage times and um, came to San Luis Obispo for Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. So really didn't want to stay in the Midwest and applied to a bunch of schools up and down the West Coast, everything from like Arizona to Washington and everything in between. And yeah. St. Louis Obispo is kind of that perfect middle place. And um, yeah, and I've been here since 2005. Did you come to Cal Poly for something specific? For architecture. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I um, switched my majors very quickly, my major um, to studio art, just yeah. because um architecture so rigid yeah but I love thinking in like color and texture and with a fine art major I kind of graduated in San Luis Obispo and hmm. I was like what do I do with that mm-hmm. now um, and that's kind of how I fell into the wine industry yeah. and um, hospitality um, yeah did you have an interest in wine before that before you um, because you, I know that you got hired yeah. as a designer yep. for wine packaging and marketing. Totally. Yeah. And I would say my interest was more in the spectrum of drinking. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> wine specifically. Yeah. I just love like, you know, being with people, drinking, the social aspect of it. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, in the hospitality ind- industry, serving at restaurants, catering at wineries, that was kind of my first intro. Um, just working with wine locally yeah. and traveling around to cater at all these wineries in Paso and just mm-hmm. kind of learning about them and taking bottles home. And yeah. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my intro into the wine industry. Mm-hmm. And I think what really, um, you know, captured me was just the connection, the connection with the people. So yeah. getting to work with all these really cool people who are, um, yeah, they are their cool. hearts into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what kind of backing up, what kind of art did you, I mean, were you primarily like drawing or oh, was yeah. it all graphic design? Or? Yeah. So actually no graphic design at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I like failed out of a graphic design class at Cal Poly. And I was like, that's hilarious. I don't even know if I could, <laughs> it was like, I had to make a box and I was like, I don't know if I can handle this box oh, making because I was really into like tactile, tangible, um, uh, like textural stuff where you could really like feel um, like the paint and yeah. I would like dry things and just like put it on canvases. I'm and- looking at your earrings, which are very like lots of different components, totally. super textural. Yeah, I got these at the maker's market. I love stuff oh, like that awesome. where um, you're just repurposing. Yeah. Um, so I was really into more of like that um, three-dimensional mixed media mm-hmm. type stuff. Um and yeah, graphic design, I think I didn't really fall into it until I had to because I realized, how do I make a living out of making art? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's an avenue now that I'm out of college. How do I turn art into a profession? Mm-hmm. Um, and then graphic design kind of showed itself. And so I really was um, like taking tutorials online and finding wow. jobs on Craigslist and um, internships and things where I could just start to get my hands um, dirty with the tools and put it to actual use. Yeah. Um, make it, I mean, make a job, make it a job. And I think that's the big thing for me is that if it was, um, something that I had to do just for school, it didn't mm. really have that same relevance as when you're making it for someone else or, yeah. you know, it has like a purpose in the real world. So. And you have control over, you know, over what the project, the scope of the project. Totally. Yeah. yeah. There's like passion behind it. Yeah. I'm like passionate about actually learning something cause I want to make it for 
a purpose. So. Yeah. Yeah. So when you started with the wine marketing company, um, did you, were you full time? Yeah. So I had, um, an internship for probably like a year, mm. which was really, really cool because, um, the company was really small. And so I got to go taste with winemakers and the cellar and, um, kind of go for lunch where we would like order bottles of wine and just talk about it. And it was this very like intimate kind of deep dive into the industry. Yeah. Um, but then that company actually kind of dissolved after about a year and just there was a change in direction and so I was freelancing for about a year just on my own mm. and um, that's where there were people in the industry who were like hey like we still need help can you help with these things and it was very um, an organic process into yeah. kind of continuing forward with the wine industry yeah yeah um, I can't remember if I ever told you but I worked for that same company yeah yeah so that I remember it's funny you know, and I know that through up- the grapevine but we've never talked about that yeah <laughs> and I was with them for um, I don't know a year and a half something like that it wasn't very long and there were changes afoot already but For I sure. became pregnant and I oh yeah I they were very generous and they said well you can work from home but it just didn't end up panning out like For that sure. uh, but those epic lunches oh epic lunches. My gosh. I didn't feel like I was working it didn't feel, it felt like stealing totally yeah yeah those, some of those just went on and on and actually one thing about I think the alcohol beverage industry is a lot of the time there are no boundaries on, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would be out really late doing that. And, you know, from a lunch that started at one, yeah, it could wind up being like seven o'clock and my husband, you know, I had, you're like, I actually have to go home (laughs) and nobody else there had a long-term partner or anything. So it just, for sure, it was an interesting, it was a deep dive for sure. Yeah. But fun. So fun. Yeah. And that's the thing now just with, um, like the wine industry in general, I love that aspect of it. But at the end of the day, we are like, we actually have to get shit done. Yes, (laughs) it's true. So yeah, I don't get to kind of enjoy those long lunches anymore, but you don't. Yeah. That seems sad. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky if I can take a lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we'll get there how much you guys have grown. Yeah. So you had a bunch of organic kind of, you know, out of nowhere sort of work and was it, well, maybe it wasn't from out of nowhere. Some folks that you had already kind of worked with. Yeah. I mean, there's just such great people locally in San Luis Obispo worked really closely with Scott and Andrea from DePaulo and Sons who I love dearly. They've, I've kind of adopted them as like my San Luis Obispo mom and dad. They're very cool. Yeah. They're so amazing. And, um, they were making, um, wine at the center of effort there. And so mm-hmm. connecting with people like Mike Siner, who's such an OG in the industry yeah. and, um, just kind of, yeah, making connections with really awesome people has been like a foundation for, um, what, you know, our business at like makers and allies and what we've done with, um, just our clients. It's really about, you know, the people. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. I think a lot of the time these very down to earth, genuine, authentic people, they Mm -hmm. don't necessarily know how to talk about themselves. They don't know all the time. I mean, some of them do. Yeah. But a lot of them don't know how to communicate the essence of what they are. For sure. And they need you. Yeah. And I mean, I even do it for a living and I don't like talking about myself. Yeah. Right. It's, I think it's a hard thing for a lot so of people to do. So come on my podcast and yeah. talk about yourself. <laughs> yeah. This is totally out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I normally don't. So it's, it's good to do though. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's a good practice. Yeah. And if nothing else, you get to sit in their shoes and for sure. feel like, oh, this is what that's like. Yeah. So your design process as well when how did you develop that process was it yeah little by little when you were good question I mean I didn't really learn any of the design process necessarily from like a business standpoint um 
in my like previous experiences, a lot of the business um, kind of mindset really came from my husband, Garrett. Mm. Um, he's super entrepreneurial. He's really smart and methodical with like approach and like understanding how to turn, um, you know, creativity and design into something that's like sustainable and can in, to actually build a business that can like provide and, um, yeah, be functional. Mm-hmm. And so he brought a lot of that to the table, really like, you know, basic stuff. Like, how do you write an invoice? How do you put together oh a project gosh, plan? Yeah. Um, what are um, deliverables, milestones? How do you think through these different steps in order to get from, you know, point A to, you know, point how C? How do you meet a deadline? Deadlines are huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it really pushed me and he really pushed me at like those early formative years, um, how to kind of... Um, think quickly to get to certain points. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the creativity has really stemmed from a lot of like my um, artistic inspiration, mm-hmm. but really having him drive a lot of that like structure has been huge. Yeah, form and function. Yes. Um, it, we, I've talked a couple times on this podcast about the importance of having boundaries on something mm-hmm. so that it can grow. Yeah. And art is no different than that. I yeah. think if somebody's holding it together business-wise and process-wise, mm-hmm. then the product itself is incredible. It can be very, you know, it can be very inspired mm-hmm. because there was this safety around it of we're going to meet the deadline. Yeah. We're going to get, you know, we're going to bill and we're going to get paid for it. Yep. It keeps everybody employed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. I didn't know mm-hmm. that about your husband, but he yes. wasn't your husband when... No, he was just, um, I think, yeah, we weren't even engaged, just my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so after a year of freelancing, um, it got to a point where we're like, hey, we can make a real business out of this. Mm-hmm. And um, he was kind of at a transitional point as well with his um, career. And um, so that's when we founded Makers and Allies about like five and a half years ago, mm-hmm. um, before we even got married yeah. and even got engaged. So we kind of took the plunge there first. Yeah. <laughs> and I think my parents thought we were crazy. They're like, okay. But what's it like to work with, with your partner intimately? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's um, wonderful and challenging in so many ways. I mean, I think on one side, there's this like beauty of like, wow, we're building something together, mm. which is really cool. And I don't think a lot of people have the opportunity to like build something that right. they're like equally passionate about. Um, but then on the other side, there's obviously the clear... Um, you know, how do I say it? Uh, there's that struggle between, um, personal and work and totally. boundaries and where is that line? And, um, it's something we're constantly working on and, and learning how yeah. to do better. So when you go home, yeah, you just, do you talk about it all the time? Um, sometimes and then sometimes not. Mm. It kind of ebbs and flows with like the seasons of work and yeah. life and yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why it's striking me right now. Maybe because I'm looking at my new kitchen, but yeah. I'm thinking, do you guys do projects at home or are you so bundled up with stuff at work that you don't? So we don't have a home office, which mm-hmm. is great. Kind of like leave the actual like space mm-hmm. there, which is nice having that like physical space delineation. Um, but Garrett is like a total project nerd like he loves projects and mm-hmm. so when he's winding down at home he's like geeking out on house projects yes. okay. and then when I'm at home I'm like 
dazing out the windows at the sky. <laughs> totally <laughs> like, zoning just, out. Yeah, zoning out. <laughs> so we have our own ways of kind of disconnecting and yeah. being at home and um, yeah, just hanging out with the dogs and not really bringing it home. But then there are those times where we're both on our laptops, but we've got two separate couches so we can just kind of like crank away late yeah. at night. Because sometimes, you know, those are productive hours and yeah. trying not to, um, trying not to like, come down on ourselves for working so hard because yeah. it is kind of the season of life we're in right now. You are totally in that so season. We don't have kids. Yeah. We're like, hey, this is we're this is we're the in time. the hustle right now and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of shaming myself. There's so much talk about drawing boundaries around your yeah. time and and I was just totally feeling ashamed that I was working at night for a while. And mm-hmm. then um I read this really incredible piece in the LA Times from maybe like fifteen years ago. This woman who writes mystery novels Mm -hmm. wrote a piece that was called um, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle Also Writes. And it was all about if you want to be able to write and have children, you have to do it at all hours. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but it kind of gave me permission to kids are doing gymnastics and I'm up in the, you know, up in the loft and I'm writing on my laptop while they do you know, handstands and things Yeah, and doing it at night and yeah. doing it first thing in the morning. And there's a season for all of that. Yeah. So you're and as long as it. you know that you're in that season and then it's not forever, Mm-mm. you're like, I'm not always going to work at this hour, but right now this is what makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And then eventually when we do have a family, we'll, you know, adjust. And yeah. that is the beauty of being able to own your own business with your husband is we'll want to adjust how we live our life, you know, yeah. as it evolves too. So. And the work that you're doing now is kind of like scaffolding for that too. Yes. Building those, it. like that foundation. Yeah. Which is really cool and exciting. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. So so you, um, you've grown so fast. Yeah. What is a project that you've worked on that you feel was just so, so you're very proud of it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many. I try not to think about projects and like, like babies, but sometimes like I do. Favorites. I'm like, oh, look at it out in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> Succeeding. Yeah. Doing great. Whole Foods. <laughs> oh, that's re- and it's cool to walk past it. Yeah. You're like, like oh, I made that. Yeah. Or like, I remember like that person did that thing. And yeah, yeah. there's definitely like some sentiment in all the projects that we do, yeah. which is kind of fun. Um, yeah. I think a really fun one locally would be um, working with the Nivens because mm-hmm. the, that project we've really had a hand in like all these aspects for um, Tangent and True Myth and mm-hmm. Bailiana. Um, so, so they gave you all of the brands, the whole package. Yeah, one, kind of- one at a time. We okay. had to build that trust there, you know, mm-hmm. start here and then move into each one. Yeah. And um, it's really cool just to see how the packaging has really propelled the growth for those brands and um, being able to have a hand in the photography and the social media and the website and really giving the brand like legs outside of just the package has been really fun. Yeah. Um, just to be able to engage with people on social media and see how they're responding and yeah. like, oh, I love that. It's just kind of, it's it's fun to see. Yeah. And it helps the yeah. identity for sure. And yeah. the fact that you, they have like five brands, I think. Yeah. I think they've, um, at their tasting room, they have more than what they actually have like okay. out in retail because they have some that are specific just to yeah. their tasting room. But it's yeah. cool if those are all things that you've worked on, then you can really see like this identity handles this and this identity handles that and mm-hmm. kind of keeping them distinct from one another. Yeah. Like clearly different personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Another really fun one, um, which has been cool to see evolve is, uh, the ancient peaks 
rebrand. Yeah. And that was a really big one, just being able to help tell the story of all the different soil types up there at Santa Margarita Ranch mm-hmm. and um, connecting people with that through like the label and the tasting room and mm-hmm. Um, and then through the website, even like just getting in the studio, we went out to their vineyard and grabbed all these old like oyster shells that are massive. They're like, they're like so cool. A foot and a half big. Yeah. And Which, why are they so big? Has I anyone don't know. ever asked like, this is not a normal they oyster. They're on steroids. <laughs> and then they totally. just slowly like paleolithic something, oysters. Yeah. Something happened. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like things are like that in Hawaii still. They're like still yeah. ginormous. Like you see the frogs there and like they're insects and you're like, wow, they're huge. Yeah, totally. Like yeah. something is either ahead or behind in some way. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a fun one just to be able to like connect like the land yeah. into all these different places. Yeah. So, and you yeah. say locally, but you have stuff that's not local. Yeah. Yeah. So we're working with a winery in Australia right now, which is fun. Mm. And, um, working um, with another winery in Canada and a couple in New Zealand. We got to go out there. Who? Are you allowed to tell me? Yeah. I mean, I think um, the the winery out in New Zealand, they're actually selling right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're like going through an evolution. And so their winery name was Mahana. In, and they in were Marlboro. Yeah. Right? Yep. Okay. Nelson. Yeah. And I'm excited because I'm actually going out for my best friend's wedding next February back to Nelson. Oh. Um, and I'm excited to go see the winemaker there and kind of yeah. reconnect. But that was a fun one because we did a full immersion and I brought a designer with me and we went and we stayed in New Zealand and we just, there, I was like, you know what? There's no way to do this other than being there. Yeah, for sure. And just being able to spend the time with the winemaker and connect. There's just not that same, um, level of like personal connection when you're doing it through Skype or totally you need to be there and yeah I mean the feel of being in Nelson is completely different than the feel of being in San Luis Obispo well there are similarities actually actually, yeah they're kind of similar in a weird way but the people are so I don't know and the way that they like the name of the winery that they're so they honor their the heritage of of the country and I don't know it's I love Nelson yeah me too we really wanted to live in Nelson and we ended up not being able to get jobs there and we found jobs in Blenheim. So we were there for six months and we had a great time. And it's just crazy though. That's awesome. In New Zealand, it's set up to let you buy a car and get an apartment and you can pretty much do that. Yeah. So we loved, yeah, we loved it. But how did people find out about you to hire you? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, this is something that my dad had said back in the day, like do great work and the rest will follow. And I think that's just what we've like been doing is trying to just make really great work. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of it has been like somebody went to a winery that we did something for and they said, how, who did this? And then, um, yeah, the owners of Mahana were traveling down through Paso Robles and stopped at a winery that we had worked at and, Mm. Yeah, that they found out about us. That is so yeah. cool. So Canada, Australia, New Zealand, anywhere yeah. else? Um, Across the country? See. Across the country, not quite yet. Mm. Haven't really branched too far east. Um, we started to dip our toes more into the spirits industry oh, and yeah. cider, which has been really fun, working with some a distillery up in Sonoma and um, just finished the Golden State Cider rebrand. Oh, so you'll cool. see a lot of that like in Whole Foods they sell all over the state. Well, they, God, they drink it at Lincoln Deli on Sundays. It's like yeah. water. People just buy the four, the four pack and for sure. So fun. Yeah. It's very 
easily drinkable. Yes, I see that. That's <laughs> yeah. not usually what I get, but I see, man, people just go through that stuff on a Sunday, on yeah. a warm Sunday. Yeah. And then there's like fun local companies that you don't even know exist locally, but we're working with... Um, a vanilla company in Paso. And they've been around for a hundred years. I know about them. And it's amazing. They've been make they've been going to Madagascar and Papua yeah. New Guinea and sourcing vanilla beans like straight for them farmers here in Paso Robles. For and something like I don't know, two centuries or something. It's been going it's a long way time. back. And it's all within the family. And yeah. so um yeah. That was a story I really I, I have a couple of like little thorny stories that I always feel like, oh, I would love to tell that the granddaughter of the guy who started the company, uh-huh. you may have met her. She, um, we emailed a little bit back and forth because yeah. she had this blog about traveling from California back to Tahiti. Oh, wow. And her writing was so beautiful. Yeah. And she talked about one time opening her suitcase at LAX mm-hmm. in customs and it was full of vanilla beans. Yeah. And she, I think she got dinged for it, uh-huh. but the man who opened it happened to be like a Pacific Islander and he started crying when he smelled it. Whoa. That's the kind of thing where you're that like, gave me goosebumps. I know. And wow. she just got so emotional and yeah. here she, she talked about sitting at her grandfather's desk in the cabin that they keep in this one village and mm. Oh my gosh, just incredible legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad to hear you're working with them because that's yeah. a product that deserves a good a good label and a good branding. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we branch out from the alcohol beverage yeah. industry a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I fully asked you. So uh, as far as design process goes, do you mm-hmm. meet with the client first and just kind of do a, an informal intake? Yeah. I mean, there's a pretty... Um, in-depth discovery when it comes to working with clients. And we really want to work with the right people that are a good fit. Um, you know, it's a two-way road when we work together and that's kind of the premise of, um, you know, makers and allies. Like we're working with the makers, but we really want to be their partners in crime and those people who can really support them. And mm-hmm. that takes like building a relationship. And so upfront, just really making sure that we're going to enjoy the process yeah, is huge. Right. Um, and then once we actually kick off a project, that's where we do a deep discovery and dive and really try and like, um, turn it like, un- just kind of, how do I describe it? Like dive in, get in there with them, get to the winery, get, get, to, get to the, the core place. of, yeah. Like what really drives what they do, understanding their history, understanding their goals as a business. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just about like making pretty pictures for them. Like we really want to understand and help them achieve where they're headed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then understanding all of those little personal intricacies to their, pro- to their product and their process. And, yeah. um, that really sets a foundation for everything that we do together because otherwise, um, you know, the world is your oyster and you can do anything. Mm-hmm. So really kind of reining things in at those early stages of like, here's where we're going together. Do you agree? Are we on the same page? And like, are we, do we have the same vision? Mm-hmm. And then we can move forward with the actual creation. Yeah. So yeah. like something with, um, uh, the DePaulo and Sons yeah. couple, mm-hmm. um, their label, which I just think is totally inspired. You guys do a lot of gold gold emboss which is always really it it stands out you yeah know, you see it on a shelf it's so fun my husband was gold foil for halloween <laughs> this year yeah <laughs> and he just like had all these hilarious puns he was like you want to make your design shine <laughs> gold foil i'm your man <laughs> it's me he's like a yeah. superhero yeah well yeah. that matina fiore 
label is so beautiful. It's just different than anything else. And especially at the time that it came out, it was very different from anything else. For sure. So with them, I mean, it's if I'm remembering it right, it's kind mm. of, it almost looks um, like a Renaissance kind of tapestry feel to mm-hmm. it, which is very traditional and old school feeling, but somehow mm-hmm. it manages to be very modern too. Yeah. So when you built that brand or even just that label. Yeah. What made you, what brought you to the conclusion that this was the right way to go where it reflects them? Yeah. Well, a big part of, um, their history and their heritage is, um, Andrea's kind of Italian background, but also Scott's, um, background in the florist industry. Um, so he grew up in um, a floral shop and his sister still has one up in Dixon outside Davis. And so we really wanted to kind of connect those two pieces. And so the actual floral kind of delicate element comes through in the art itself. But then the typography, um, is really reminiscent of, um, kind of old Italian signage. We looked at a lot of Luis Feely books, who's Mm. this, um, great New York Italian designer. She's super old school. Mm. Um, so pulling some of that, um, typography from the Italian um, heritage and then the floral from his uh, background as well. That's so interesting. And the fact that you can just call it up as far as like you, you probably were eating and breathing and drinking that project at the time. Yeah. So it's embedded in your mind. It was one of the very first projects I worked on. So at that time it was like... We were like literally eating and drinking together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was living in Shell Beach at the time. So we would just go to the cliffs and eat and drink together and talk about it. (laughs) You really are an ally. You're like, yeah, a confidant. Yeah. Really. Um, Good. Do you do the design work very often anymore? So not so much anymore, which is kind of crazy. There's 15 people at our company. So we've got a pretty solid crew. And um, out of those 15 people, I would say uh, seven or eight are um, art directors, designers, illustrators. Mm. Um, And then we've got copywriters, photographers, developer. um, Social, probably. Yeah, social social media and marketing coordinator. um, And then our studio manager client services director and they're really focused on like the business operational side of things. Um, I focus a lot of my time on working with the team on like the creative direction, setting the stage for, okay, here's the vision. How how can we help accomplish our clients goals and, um, setting up like, uh, milestones. Like how are we going to get to the finish line? Which is Mm kind of ironic because when I first started, I didn't have any of those skills, but now Mm -hmm. I really focus a lot of my time on, um, the planning yeah, for specific clients or just in general, the entire company. Okay. Yeah. Really focusing on like managing all of our creative resources as a company. Like Mm -hmm. how can we as a company get everything done? Yeah. Um, which is fun. I like that. It kind of works like both sides of my brain. Yeah. I like the creative side, but then I also like the logistical side now. And yeah. see, so you can um, change, and it's fun. People can change, and I really enjoy that. And so um, it's okay. And I still feel really involved in the creative process, even though I'm not physically moving the mouse and designing everything, yeah. because I'm working with the creative every day with the designers. So I would say, like, I split my time half and half, mm-hmm. um, and it's fun. I yeah. like it. Yeah. It's funny when you talk about getting to the finish line, I think that is, it has to be one of the hardest parts. It's like, okay, certain things are in place, but Mm -hmm. pulling the trigger and finishing. I just remember sitting at one point, oh my gosh, I was, when I was working for the wine marketing company, we had a Trader Joe's project, which is super exciting. I love seeing it still. It's still on the shelves a lot, but I was tasked with writing the back label copy for this thing. 
and um, I was asked to keep it brief. Yeah. And then I was actually tasked with keeping it to like under five words. Uh huh. <laughs> and I was sitting outside trying to concentrate because I need I need complete quiet to work, which is probably why I work from home now. Yeah. Honestly, it's so annoying, but I need to have silence. Yeah. So I sat outside so that I could concentrate on it. And I couldn't get it, and I couldn't get it. And finally, I had to go home. Like, we had a party to go to or something. And the guy who was my boss ended up, <laughs> ended up writing for it. It was a wine from Paso Robles. And he wrote the back label copy, and it was, Paso is my home, period. Period. And I was like, you know what? I resent the fact that you got to that. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing that it's supposed to be. Yeah. And so, but like I had done all the research, we had all of the, you know, all of the collateral, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't get to the words. Those five words. That's the crazy part of the creative process is sometimes it's like right in front of you. And sometimes you need to spend three days going in circles and then, um, crying a little bit and then like walking away and then coming back. Totally. (laughs) And then you're like, huh. And then someone just walks in out of the blue and they're like, what about this? And you're like, oh. Damn it. Damn what? it. <laughs> Why weren't you sitting on the ago? toilet thinking about this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happens. And that's what's so fun about working with so many people is um, we try like as much as possible to just like put a bunch of brains together. Yeah. Um, when we're ideating on like design concepts, everyone's going to bring something different to the table. So yeah. it's so cool to be able to like get everybody on something for an entire week. Yeah. Just come up with a bunch of ideas, put them all up. We'll put up like 20 things on the wall yeah. and then just whittle down from there and Totally. Yeah. You've done um, space projects also. Um, yeah. I don't know how to say that. What is it? Like uh, interiors. interiors. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have what in are the past. Those? And um, I would say we're kind of moving away from that a little bit. Just mm. as our um, company has grown, it's still something that's fun. Super fun. But it's really time consuming. Mm-hmm. And so I think we focus more on like consulting for interiors. Mm-hmm. We'll do them for like small projects locally, um, helping with like Batch and Cruiseberg. And oh. that's always cool. Like Kraken, I think. And yeah. Avila has um, kind of taken off over the past couple of years, which is cool to see. So they just called you up and said, would you give us some ideas? You sit down together and... Yeah, we'll do mock-ups and Photoshop yeah. and tell them this is the kind of art, this is where your branding should go, this is the color of the paint. Um, but really, interior design is an entire field and niche in, um, totally. in its own. So And having relationships with sources and all that. Oh, yeah. So really trying to um, narrow in on our like specialty and our focus, Yeah, which is really around like the branding and the brand universe that wraps around like the packages and the marketing. So. Yeah, totally. Is there, um, is there a challenge that you've gone through that you feel like you really learned something from? Oh boy. Yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing, um, is just, and I think a lot of people can relate to this in life is just how do you work with different people? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not specific to this industry. It's just in general, everybody is unique. And, um, especially when you're working in a creative environment where everyone's putting like their heart and soul into things, yeah, putting their, their very being out on the table. Yeah. They're like, Here, here's everything. And yeah. really helping people understand that like, it's not personal. It is, um, I know you've put a lot of your personal time into things, but, and we all have, um, but at the end of the day, we're doing what's right for the project. And, um, and that's hard. That's really hard to do. And, um, 
Yeah. So working with people has been an interesting thing that I've just learned over the past five years. You know, you work in a small company with three or four people, 15, and it's a totally different beast. And, um, there's growing pains with each. growing pains at that. I've heard that there are thresholds. Yeah. How many people all, all of a sudden a culture totally shifts when you go from like eight to nine people Yep. and then 15 to 16 people or whatever it is. Yeah. And like learning communication styles, you know, when you work with three or four people in one room and then all of a sudden our company is on three different floors. So you're like, yeah, you're communicating on a, you know, Slack or, you know, in person. And sometimes you're like, why am I, why am I doing something through text message? Like, let's just say we call it yeah we call it words to faces like do you want to say words to faces (laughs) (laughs) wtf oh my god wtf (laughs) words to faces let's just talk in person yeah so do you split your like um is it design folks on the top and like it's kind of evolved naturally that way because you want to sit with people who you're collaborating with um and so we kind of have you know, and like you said, you like to work in silence. I do. So if people are doing copywriting mm-hmm. or development is kind oh, of... web stuff? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of like um, copywriting, but with like math. I oh, don't know geez. if I'm saying that right, but coding is its own beast. So <sighs> yeah. yeah, people who need that focus can kind of sit in like a quieter space and... Mm-hmm. And how do you hire yeah. people? Do you, I mean, do you pull a lot from Polly? Um, that's a great question. And that's kind of been, I think, one of the biggest learning curves is... Um, you know, the industry is a really fun industry and you can sit and have lunch for seven hours. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're also um, trying to really work hard as well. So how can you find people who enjoy working hard and playing hard? Yeah. Because it is play. Like yeah. The creative process, the wine industry, it's like you want to enjoy cocktails. It's sexy. It's, it's part enticing. of it. It's part of the thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but then... Hey, if you end up having cocktails a little late, you still, we still need to show up for our meeting the next morning. Right? Think about that. Yeah. And so finding that right balance um, of people is definitely, you know, you want to enjoy the culture yeah. of the industry, but you also want to find people who are as equally passionate about like the details and design. And yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. What's something, um, this is going to be a very awkward question, but what's something yeah. that you like about your way of approaching things, something that oh, you feel really good about. Um, in what way, as far as well, you, you guys have been really successful. Mm-hmm. What is one of the keys to, you know, something that you like about the way you do work that you've really seen it bear fruit? Yeah. Great question. Well, I think what's interesting about what you just said is you guys have been really successful. Oh yeah. And period. The end. <laughs> you don't work anymore. No. Yeah. And I kind of am like, I don't really see that, which I think is kind mm. of silly because I should see that more. You don't see yourselves as like, you don't think of yourself that way. I don't think of myself that way at yeah. all. I'm like, this is cool. Look at this company. Fun. Great. Like, but I, I don't really know how to define success. Right. Mm. Because I mean, you can build a successful business and support a lot of people and employees, um, which to me, I guess, is success to other people. Like you built a business that is successful. That's so funny because that's not what I was thinking. But what, was, do you, what do you define it as? Well, the fact that you get asked to do more. The yeah. fact that you, I would imagine you turn stuff away. Yeah, right? And you Even can be selective. 15, yeah. Yeah, that is success too. So, oh man, proud of, what's the well, question I guess again? So. <laughs> I got lost. <laughs> so did I. I'm just trying to get you to say nice things about yourself. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think got you to a point where people are asking you to do, where you're having to turn stuff away? Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
I mean, I think at the end of the day, you're trying to um, make work that is like truly unique over and over again. And that's the hardest thing. How can you tell a similar story in 10 different ways? Because at the end of the day, it's wine in a bottle. Thank um, you for saying that. And, but it, that's what it is. And yeah. all the bottles look the same. And then to constantly challenge yourself and to constantly challenge the team and designers and creatives to be like, okay, now we need to come up with a completely different story and a completely different yeah. look and feel. That is hard. Totally. So I think that's something that I'm pretty proud of is um, not being a one-trick pony. Yeah. And, um, you know, we might like to put gold foil on things because – that's fun and looks shiny. great and shiny, <laughs> but there's different ways to do that. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you bring up such a good point that it's, you get hired because people see that your stuff stands out and they mm-hmm. want their stuff to stand yeah. out. And sometimes those stories are very similar For to sure. one another. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of people, um, I'll say this so you don't have to, there mm-hmm. are a lot of people who they want a wine label. They mm-hmm. want to own a winery and it's just something that they've decided and they're in this very blessed position of being able to have one. Oh yeah. Even though that wasn't their primary business or industry. Yeah. And so I, I remember for myself having conversations with people where I'm like, where is the story here? You have to dig hard. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to pull together a distinct set of brands is that's hard. Yeah. And it can get precious really fast. It can get Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you know, cute really fast. Yeah. And I try and think about it, you know, like if you're designing someone's house versus, um, you're designing somebody's office space, someone's going to be like really specific about the color of their carpet or their wall paint. If it's their house and they're going to be like, it's my office, just tell me what looks good and just throw it in there. And it's the same thing with design. Some people are really, it's really personal and precious to them. And it's the story of their like grandfather. Right. And then some people are like, this is a business. I need this wine to make money and let's just do what's going to make the business successful. And yeah. So you kind of run the gamut and totally approach it differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've had, I would imagine, a lot of beautiful bottles of wine in your time. Like I've drank in them. Yes. <laughs> or I have them on my shelf because they're pretty. <laughs> I mean, maybe both. Yeah. But what is a wine that you've tasted? You know I have to ask this. What is a oh, wine that yeah. you've tasted that you were like, sublime, this is incredible. Oh my gosh. I just am such a sucker for the Gamay from France. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my husband and I went this summer and we were like, I never want to leave. Really? Beaujolais is just such a beautiful region and the wines are so delicious. And yeah, um, yeah I don't think I could put my finger on like one wine. Yeah. Um, do do you, you do the whole Beaujolais Nouveau thing? Do you get it? Uh, I mean, it's so funny. I don't know. It's to me, it's like for all year. Yeah, right. Yeah. The stuff that's not just the super fresh. I just stuff. like that style. Yeah. Of wine. Yeah. yeah. It's so unsung too. Pinot gets so much la la la. Uh-huh. And yeah, Gamay doesn't get a lot of that. You know, for how much wine I've drank in, I'm really a baby when it comes to tasting wine. Like yeah. I taste cab and I'm like barrel? <laughs> Spicy? I don't know. I can't. Like, I just, I think maybe because I have bad allergies, I can't really oh, taste all these nuances. You? Yeah. Oh. I taste wine with people and they're telling me all these flavors. And I'm like, I just am getting 
wine. Yeah, right. <laughs> that is, you are so, so brave to say that because yeah, sometimes there's yeah, an expectation. I'm not going to lie. I just can't taste it the way people do. And mm. so I just love the gamay because I'm like, oh, I can taste all the yumminess. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a specific smell and taste. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's an easy drink. So I like that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, wow. You went to Beaujolais over the summer. Mm-hmm. Have you gone anywhere else fun for wine? Um, I mean, aside from Australia, New Zealand and wherever else. Oh boy. Great question. I mean, I think France was a big like thing on the bucket list for my husband and I. Um, but I don't know if we would go back just because the, it was pretty like rigorous and grueling. Mm-hmm. Um, just tasting wine that hardcore. We went to like yeah. eight regions in like two weeks or something. Did? And oh my yeah, it was hardcore. We were like on a tight schedule. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fun. It was more of like research. We were learning a lot. Yeah. Um, so we tasted some really great wines across that trip. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm Which sure it was, was memorable. Too. It was memorable. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't over drink. So we, mem- we, you can like log we remembered it. a lot of it. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But I definitely want to get more into spirits and like head down to, um, Oaxaca and like get really into Ooh. some of like the mezcal tasting. Yeah. Um, that's the new thing on my bucket list. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mine is, I really, really want to go to Kentucky bourbon country. Yes. That, that would be that, awesome. That little drink. I don't know what it is about it, but uh-huh. it's just, it's the history and it's the nuance and the fact yeah. that you can taste, you know, 18 different ones and you For really sure. can tell the difference. We actually just did a tasting at our office on um, Monday this week mm-hmm. um, with my good buddy, Jim, who you should totally have on this podcast because yeah. he is like a whiskey, like passionate, like geek. I don't even know the right term for yeah, him. Yeah. Um, and he ran us through, we did a like, uh, a tasting of, I think we had like 10 rye whiskeys. Oh my gosh, we're rye work- alone. Yeah, we're working on a project and we're working on a rye brand. And I was like, I need to learn more about rye because I know I love bourbon, but like, what is it about rye mm-hmm. that sets it apart? And just tasting 10 in a row, I was like, I get it now. This is yeah. this makes sense to me. How fun um, to have that kind of education too. Yeah. And a place where you can do it and it makes sense. For sure. You know, it's not just like Saturday night fun. It's it was Monday. Monday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Monday. Fun. I was like, uh, whiskey Mondays. This is a thing now. <laughs> that is a thing. That's a very good thing. Yeah. Um, if you were, let's say, on your deathbed and mm-hmm. you thought, oh my gosh, I want to have a meal. We didn't even talk about food, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, I would imagine just as somebody who cares about flavor and taste, mm-hmm. but maybe even isn't all that good at it, as you admitted, um, what would be the meal that you would have with your, you know, and with who for that last Oh, one? with who? Oh my goodness. Well, that's, that's sad. It, it doesn't, it's funny. Some people say sad, but other people are oh, like, no. oh, I love thinking about celebrating. Oh my God. There'd be too many people though. I couldn't just ch- choose yeah. who. Oh my God. I would have sushi. I would, would have you? like this like giant sushi feast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. Um, yeah. And I'd want to have it with like some really like lively cocktails with like mm. mint and like cilantro Lemon, and yeah. like, Yeah. And uh, lime, mm-hmm. and it'd probably have to be outside. Yes. Do I have to be in jail? Is it like deathbed? Like I have to have it in the no. Oh, 
you don't have any <laughs> like around death row no i mean no. <laughs> it's funny the last person i interviewed if you have a beach oh is yeah that and then we live? would yeah no oh, okay but i used to and it was like the it's just such a paradise in our local area yeah yeah it would be in avila we'd have sushi it'd be fresh from the pier we'd have cocktails mm. and everyone would be on the beach it would be great and you'd be like, this is my life. Yeah. Yay. Ship me away. It's just a celebration of life. The last yeah. person I interviewed was like, like I'm being executed. And I, it was the first time yeah, anyone but, had ever said that. No, no. Yeah, like that's why being... I got sad. But okay. if it was an Avila, then it'd be so great. No, no, no. Nothing. I would, would love sad. that. And then awesome. I could go. Okay. Well, <laughs> if you're inviting lots of people, you have to invite me. Okay. I, everyone could come. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Big, big party. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for coming to my house. Thank you. It was nice to meet you this way. Yeah, I know. You too. Yeah, it's fun. Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. And be sure to support the good folks who join me each episode. To learn more about any of my guests, visit letsgetconsumed.com. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis. 